Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, this is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked for my friend to come back home from living abroad. You know, he went to the, the Italian peninsula. You know, he went down to Italy, right? And not only did he go there to visit, but he also did something else that's considered a milestone in some people's lives. And he got engaged. And uh, he's back here on the show to chat about all things you know good and you know we're going to tie everything in today into it i guess an italian theme because it just all kind of like came together at once but uh i'm super stoked for him uh to get married you know it's a it's a big step in life um i stopped counting how many times he's been on the show just because now he's, he's such a contributor i mean everyone loves the theme song i tell them all check out mr judah kim how are you sir i'm well I'm well thank you very much for that intro grazie mille Grazie. So, I mean, like, tell me, like, in a nutshell, what was your time like there in Italy? Um, the, the video where you got busted by the police, I mean, that was wonderful. I mean, I, I think that was such a cool thing. But, I mean, overall, what was your experience like? In a nutshell, I don't um, I don't. I think you know that I'm not very good at that. I'm pretty elaborate with stuff. Well, tell me, okay, so tell me, besides getting busted by the police, how nervous were you flying with the ring, across the Atlantic Ocean to propose to your girlfriend? Not very nervous about proposing, uh, but I was very sure about how it would go down. I had an idea in my head, but yeah, I'm glad it came together. As yeah, it that, that's got to be such an uh, intense feeling. Like, I remember it was, I'm going to be married 10 years this month, and um I remember like, God, I felt like nauseous, like walking back and forth, back and forth, being like, all right, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. And then, you know, once you do it, you know, um, I can't really remember the words I said either. It's just such a weird thing. So like I mentioned that you're, you know, a singer songwriter, like you had the whole thing like written out in your head, like what you would say, right? Um, yeah, I, I kept it simple because I, I mean, what I was going to say, I was going to keep it simple because I knew that the uh, the actual proposal and the surroundings and everything would be pretty majestic. And where was it that you got engaged? Uh, Ponza, which is an island off the coast of Rome. Beautiful place. So what was it like? Um, you know, obviously, everyone always talks about the food. I saw some of the plates that you're you're posting. And then I saw that you, then you were eating, and then you went to a gym where you couldn't figure out like the the metric system, right? Like everything's in. Well, yeah. So, thank God for for like having smartphones and Google like right away because it was just I, that's what I did. I pulled up, um, I pulled up like kilograms to pounds conversion on Google, and uh, what you might find um, just kind of interesting, mildly, is that like you know how in in a, in a a regular gym weights go up by like five so five pounds 10 pounds 15 mm -hmm. right in um italy at least it's it's by twos it's always by two and it's kilograms obviously so it'd be like six eight ten twelve you know oh wow yeah. so what so what do you yeah. think that means they want to have more variety out there or is it just uh know, metric system it's like you know so if you're doing you know if i'm doing 15s i'm really doing uh, almost like 30 so let uh, me ask you a question no. so you also sustained an injury how did the injury happen in the gym i love gym injuries <laughs> with my toe <laughs> how did that happen no I, I was just like um so i was i was actually doing like some shoulders with a with like a shoulder exercise like a pushing exercise with my shoulders with a with like a, with a 20 kilogram plate i think it might have been a 10 kilogram plate which is okay. 20 pounds or something 20 a little over 20 pounds and then you know i just like put, i was putting it back oh i know that one <laughs> 
And then it the, slipped out of my hand and like just uh, hit my grazed my ring toe on my left foot. Oh, have you have you ever um the one that I got just I actually have a permanent mark is like putting like a dumbbell back and like not allowing my skin to get out in time and then like the corner pocket of like your like hand gets stuck in the weight and then like putting it back. oh dude it's the worst like but yeah I, I liked the way that those weights looked out there in Italy too they looked like they were like old school like pieces of clay or something like that you know what I mean oh Jim yeah yeah was there was there people in there working out with you mm-hmm I saw a lot of like um, older, older men, kind of, you know, a few students, but like mainly like older dudes. And it was the same guys. Is it true what they say that everybody smokes cigarettes out there? Um, well, let me just kind of pause with this, because I feel like where this is going is to try to generalize like gyms and generalize the people and all of that. Now, what I was trying to what I deduced from this trip and what I was trying to go into with this trip is to sort of not do that because I really think that America, I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's just <laughs> a human thing that people love the characterized and the tokenized <laughs> version of things as if like, if I go to Italy, everybody knows how to cook pasta. Everybody's a Luigi there. And it's like, just like if everybody, if people were go to go down South in America, like everyone's a cowboy. Right. That's I mean, that's not true. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. But, but it's funny because the, the world capitalizes off of these ideals like, you know, you do go down to downtown Nashville, which I did go to recently downtown Nashville, which is like super touristy. And it is all of that. It is all the cliche cowboys, the saddle ranches, people playing country music pop country music in bars and stuff it is all of that and and likewise in italy venice is kind of like the idealized place of italy i think for people i think it's the great place to go for any sort of middle class american because you step off the boat and you see this this amazing basilica fresh air because there's no cars and then you start to walk down i thought i was in willy wonka on the chocolate factory because i had been to other italian towns right so in northern Italy, in Venice, you see like the fancy chocolatiers spinning in the window and like cannolis and like everything that you would fantasize about Italy is, is sort of there, um, which was which is interesting. And, you know, being and then going back to Rome and comparing that town versus like Ponza, just different experience altogether you know, living amongst the Romans. Um, wow. so, as far as, so going back to your point about like, hey, how are the weights and stuff like, you know, it's. I guess that was just the one gym, you know, and um, mm -hmm. as far as people smoking, my experience, with people smoking was they were very polite about it. Like uh, Sarah's friends, some of them were like straight up Italian that lived in Rome and they were all very super polite. Like, do you mind if I smoke? <laughs> like they like <laughs> did a grand gesture, like, do you mind if I smoke? And like, yeah. Yeah, people around here, they don't um, ask that at all. They just light up, you know, and they're just like, uh, you know, this is what I'm doing. Would you go live there? Thinking about it. But the thing that was re really disheartening was um, the music scene. It seemed non-existent, but I know it's there. Where is it? I don't know, but you, do you, you know what Eurovision is? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, it's like their American Idol sort of, and, but it's like uh, for original songs and stuff. So the, the last year's winner was this Italian rock band, rock and roll band. Oh, wow. What are they called? I forget, but, but my point is it's there, you know, I don't, I didn't mm -hmm. know where it was, but you know, every time I, I stopped an Italian on the street with a guitar and tried to speak with them, say, Hey, do you know where I could find open mics? They all had the same answer. They said, maybe, but I don't do it. 
Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. And you were actively looking for it too. I mean, it, it is tough, I guess, to find, you know, the local scene. I imagine there's like some place like there that's like a, you know, underground venue or something that's pumping out the jams. Right. I mean, there always is. There's, I just found out about this new guy here in Philadelphia. Do you know an artist name? Um, I don't get it wrong. His last name's tennis, Brian tennis or Ryan tennis. I think his name is. No. You ever hear him? He's got his own like venue. Uh, it's like a gazebo in his backyard. He charges admission and stuff. It's it's crazy, but like, I think that that's like the future of like what you know the scene should be. You know, because I don't really think it works anymore to like get people to come. You know, um, see live music. It just it's they don't want to do it. They want to go somewhere where it's fun and there's other things going on. You know, I was talking with uh, Bob. You remember Bob from the Mansion House? Yeah, I saw, I saw him at the rec center and he was like, you know, uh, it just doesn't it's too hard to pay everybody, make everybody happy because it, it, people just don't go out no more for, you know, like our age group, at least, you know, I don't know what's going on with the younger kids. I hope it's working for them. I don't know what's going on with the younger generation. You know? um, it's yeah, I, I know that they they play once like a month and they focus on the gig once a month. Remember we were playing like four or five, seven gigs a month back in the day. We're like, whatever, there's no internet. <laughs> Let's just keep playing, you know? Yeah. That was the good old days. Um, speaking of the good old days, I, I want to, I hadn't had a chance yet on the Bobcast to talk about, you know, the many saints of Newark and you and I over the years have exchanged a lot of text messages in reference to the Sopranos, just because we have seen it backwards and forwards and many, many times. The, the many saints of newark like i didn't even like when they announced the title i was just like oh, i didn't even get the reference to the multisanti family or excuse me the multisanti family and like i never you know picked up on it as a sopranos fan the first time you know we saw it i was first off i was too tired i should have waited till like the morning to watch it but it definitely had that old school sopranos tone to it and the writing was great and there's so many easter eggs many um good fan service Oh, my God. Like, if you're a Sopranos fan and you have a thick, you know, uh, idea of the mythology and, like, you know, some of the things that are happening in this. The, if you didn't, I, I don't think that you would have enjoyed yourself as much, you know. But I, I just I also like how, like, this, like the, the movie itself is very. All the Sopranos episodes felt kind of like that movie, too, where it's like it's building towards something. It's building towards something. Is Furio going to kill Tony? Is he mad at, you know, Tony because he's in love with Carmela and then he does nothing, you know, like there's always like this big, big buildup. And then David Chase is like, you get nothing out of me. And I think that's what makes the Sopranos so great is that, like, he builds your anticipation so high and then just leaves it there in the air. Like the Russian. Where's the Russian? Mm hmm. Well, I mean, wouldn't you think that that's kind of like a J.J. Abrams thing, too, right? With Lost. Yeah, but J.J. never. Um, OK, so the difference between David Chase and J.J. is that J J.J. says, here's the mystery box. Mm. And then by the time he reveals the mystery box, you just don't care about it as much. Whereas David Chase is like, here's the mystery box. And then he goes and hides it and you just <laughs> you can never find it. You know, it's just out there in the woods somewhere. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think that that's like what the storytelling, the differences between the two and like the audience then kind of likes it. Like the audience likes to be told by David Chase what to do. And I think that's why The Sopranos was so successful. And I think that one of the things too is they have short scenes that mean a lot. Short scenes that mean a lot. Where it doesn't go on for a long, long time. There's like a few lines of dialogue that means so much. 
Sure. Like if, when you rewatch The Many Saints of Newark, there's so many parts that allude to things that have happened or going to happen in the series. Mm-hmm. What was your take on it? On The Many Saints of Newark? My, my impression was, you know, I was when I was watching it, I was I was like, eh, I don't know if I like this so much because I'm not really sure where it's going because they're focusing on Dickie so much. But then I stopped myself and I was like, wait a second. I think my my um, what's the word? My uh, not anticipation. No, no, no. What's the word? Uh, I was set up by the by the previews. The marketing. My expectations. My expectations. My expectations were set up by the preview of Many Saints Newark to for it to be a film about young Tony Soprano when it really wasn't about that. So once once I shifted my perception into saying, oh, wait, this is about the Kimotasanti, then I could focus more and be like, OK, yeah, I enjoy this, actually. Um, I, I didn't watch the trailers until after the film. And you know what, dude, like, I'm so glad I didn't, because then I would have been led to believe that, too, as well. Like I had I'm still you know, I watched the trailer this weekend for a couple of the D.C. things, but whatever, like the Sopranos, I just was cold the whole time. I had no idea. I knew that it fe- featured Dickie, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see how that was a letdown for some people, you know, like, um, first off, I didn't know there was a younger Anthony Soprano in it. So when they open up on the big ship and, you know, young Tony's there with Dickie welcoming back his his dad, Hollywood Dickie Moltisanti, which I, I'd love that character, man. I mean, it was like one of the most sho- like more shocking death scenes, too, in the Sopranos, um, you know, uh, repertoire, like him versus his dad. And also, like, it was very you know, when you watch that scene over and over again, you start to see like, there's so much stuff going on there that David Chase is doing too. Cause it's like, okay, so here's Christopher's dad in a car taking out his dad. Later we learned that, you know, Tony takes him out in the in a car. There's so many things that like tie in, you know, the bird happen um, around to the bird, you know, Christopher's always bugging about that when he got made. Uh, that was great when he looks out the window and he's got that look like, oh, no, I know this means something. And you know what? Everybody who got made during that session, Christopher and the other guy, the other guy, remember, he tried to. Eugene, yeah. Was his name? Yeah, Eugene. He tried to go down Florida. Hunter Tony would let him go. And he kills himself. Oh, that scene was shocking, man. And it is true. I listened to a podcast recently where they talked about. Um, James Gandolfini's son, um, Michael, was talking about how past season four he doesn't like watching it because it gets really really dark and you know what it does get really really dark those last few seasons there like there's a lot of just darkness you know it's like their the response i guess to the success was to push the audience over the edge but mm. yeah i love dickie though dickie was great i loved how he was like i, I would the only thing that threw me for a loo the first time though was like seeing ray, ray Liotta play the twin brother i didn't see that coming yeah, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that, too, because I was, you know, after the second time he appeared in the film, in the film, I was like, you know, this is a figment of Dickie's imagination. Oh, that would have been great. I don't I don't. I, yeah, I still think that I still think that he's real. Oh, that's great, Judah. That's great. That's really, really good. I didn't even you know what? That is a really good point, because some of those scenes. There's one scene in particular where he's definitely the fantasy sequence of the film, too, is where. He envisions envisions himself as a coach for right. blind that's, children. That's the one. I'm like, okay, so that just kind of proves that he's imagining all this. Yeah, because he never mentions his visits with his twin brother to anybody else. Right. There's no other reference of him being there. And also, oh, wow, yeah, that's crazy. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard that at all. 
on any of like the YouTube Easter egg type things that I've seen. But I don't have to rewatch that from from that perspective though. But yeah, like him, like the way he talks, like I just want to be here to do a good deed, you know? Right. Like he's sort of like in some weird confessional purgatory with himself, you know. I don't, you know. I love that though. Yeah, because I mean, like, look what he did. You know, it's how do you live with that, and then how do you take on your guma's, uh, you know, your your former stepmother to be, you know, from yeah. from the boot, you know, which is just crazy, man. But I mean, like, a great story to tell there. And then I I just love seeing some of the old characters, like you know, their younger selves. Livia, I thought was really well done. <laughs> There's ladies here <laughs> with Polly in the book. Oh yeah, yeah, with his fingers. There's ladies here. Yeah, he had to lift down. Like I like when Polly uh, and uh, Pussy they roll up to the department store, and uh, what is he? It's not so much what he says. Oh yeah, he's like, "Who's going to notice?" And he goes in there and throws the, breaks the glass, and like he turns and he has that classic Polly look. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the the TV away, and he's like, "The three C's I owe you." <laughs> the tree, the tree, <laughs> the tree, the tree C's. But uh, yeah, Polly was great. Syl was great. Um, I think the one that was the MVP though definitely had to be Corrado, just because once again, like the big twist, which was so great too, because it's like you had this whole idea, like you knew what was going to happen, you know. And like the whole time, I remember in the third act of the film being like, "Where's this undercover cop at in the story?" You know? Yeah, right, right, because he kills him in in the Sopranos. So two things there, right? So the fact that you know it was Uncle Junior that had Dicky popped is like really just makes that whole mythology even deeper. Like, oh wow, okay, yeah, it does make sense. It makes his character more, uh, more deep, I guess. You know, and it also makes the show more deep because it makes sense in a world full of crime and secrecy. That kind of shit probably did go down. Totally, you know, yeah. To people telling you one thing and then believing it, and then like, because because we were lied to, right? We were lied to as a as an audience, but it makes sense, right? Not in a cheap way. We were lied to, and like, okay, yeah, this that's part of the that's how the story. Um, and then the other thing is that um, what we're we talking about, uh, Junior, right? Mm-hmm. Uncle Junior. Um, oh, I forget my train of thought is so bad now. <laughs> it's okay, but the whole thing with Junior and like and like his uh. Nobody ever takes him seriously. Um, yeah. yeah. From now on, everything goes to me. And they're like, what are you, like gravy or so? like yeah, something? Yeah, like, you know, they're just always like, making fun of him. Uh-huh. And just like his whole, like, I didn't see that coming. Like when he came out to the payphone in the snow and he gets the call that the job's done, that Dickie has been taken out. Mm-hmm. He's got this great moment where it's not even a line of dialogue. It's like the way he looks, it's like fear and also spite and also like, I know that one day I'll be the boss. Do you know what I mean? Like he's got all these resentments too. He's the older brother. Johnny's the, you know, the one that is higher. Yeah. So, so can we backtrack for a second? I want to talk sure. about that second thought about Junior. So this, this, the second thought is, so who was that cop that, that, that Christopher killed? That's the, now it's, yeah. that's, that's the question. Well, I actually went back and watched that episode and the, like the dialogue. So, okay so like in the episode like he says i don't know who you got your information for you've been set up and then there's like a part where the tv says i'm sorry but it's not the the guy that christopher's shooting saying it's magnum pi saying i'm sorry and people used to think that he was saying i'm sorry for doing what i did to your dad but yeah he has no idea what's going on in that scene he has no clue like why they're there and um do i think tony knew the truth 
Do I think Tony knew that Dickey was taken out by Corrado? No, I don't think he knows that. Yeah, I don't think he knew But that. also everything's changed too. Remember like the whole like argument of being like, he was bringing a quib for me, you know? It wasn't a quib, it was TV trade dinners, you know? Like, yeah. So many little small parts. And like also too, it's like they referred to Dickey in the um, Soprano series as being a junkie. So that whole Ellaville thing in his pocket thing played out for years too. Where I mean, Dickie was, uh, yeah. I mean, he seemed like an alcoholic, but he didn't seem like he had a drug problem at all. But like, right. there's that. I do, I mean, the scene too that we're jumping all around the movie, but I mean, it was such a cool scene when, because uh, I remember in uh, Soprano Home movies when, Tony gets mad at Janice for telling Janice. Janice tells the story about when uh, Johnny Soprano shoots uh, a bullet through her uh, her that hair. Is, yeah, <laughs> I love that. That was great. So all that I was like, yeah, that's that's fucking fan service right there. Great, good job. That, that's true, true fan service. And like the way she looks at him, and he's like, you know, afanabla. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with it. But yeah, there were such great uses of um, storytelling that I loved and. The whole thing between, um, you know, uh, Dickie and, uh, you know, the, the way, like the whole backstory, too, is like it's hard to catch. But like, you know, the main antagonist of the series played by uh, what's his name? Omar. The actor's name's Omar. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, he basically was friends with Dickie in high school. They played football together and they continued to do jobs for him. And like in the beginning, it's so hard because they have this great relationship where they're outside beating people up, smoking cigarettes. But then when, you know, he comes to such realities, he can't be his friend because of status. And like you see him be racist because, you know, everybody else is racist and they're against blacks. Mm. There was so many things in the series, too. I mean, like, you know, Dickie kills his dad and he's in the street <laughs> with a dead body. And they say, oh, he's white. And they yep. let him go, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. No, I love the I love the racism because it, um, you know, all of this, all of the how all of the like now about how things are now, like all that aside, like it was great because it made it made made the Sopranos make sense. Kind of, it, you know what I mean? Like it made because they were all racist in the show too, Tony and Paul, like all of them were. And it just it was just interesting to see how that like it, that helped reinforce the like the trickle down racism towards them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it was also it's a what do you call it? Um like they were like raised to be that way, but that's what I they, mean. They didn't feel that way. Remember, like, uh, remember when Tony got a uh, Tony got the Rock fired, not the Rock that we know now, but there was a. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, remember, and then like he goes back there later yeah. and tries to throw yeah. him a couple, a couple C's, you know, and like he doesn't want to take it. Yeah, he yeah, felt yeah. bad, you know, he felt bad, and like um, there's the same relationship between Harold. I just looked up the actors, uh, the character's name. There's a scene in The Sopranos, too, that I in the Many Saints of Newark, excuse me, that I thought was so awesome is um, when Harold finally comes to take out Dickie in the streets. And um, there's this one shot that's like so Sopranos to me. It's like the fight has gone on in the street. Uh, Joey Diaz's character is assassinated. The Volkswagen crashes into the telephone pole because some stray bullets. And there's like a fire. And Dickie goes into a bar and the scene that I like is when Harold kicks open the door and the flames are behind him. He's got the shotgun. It's such a cool little Sopranos moment. I love that stuff. Like when they, you know, it, it's like all about framing the shot, but, and then they exchange some gunfire and there's like this great sequence where they look at each other and they can't say anything because the cops are on their way. Love that stuff, dude. <laughs> that was cool. But yeah, I just, I hope that they continue the series. I mean, like it's so 
crazy, you know, that there really wasn't much uh, young Tony stuff. I mean, the stuff that we were given, I thought was good. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I still don't know how I feel about like what, what what's your thoughts on that um, guidance counselor scene where she questions or tells Livia about Tony's greatest memory being when Johnny's away and she snuggles up next to him and book, right. Yeah. Like did that get weird or was it like, I don't know. Like it was just a weird scene. It's like, no wonder Tony's so messed up, you know, like his mom. I don't know. What did you think about that? No, it's just very telling. I mean, I just thought it was simply telling that like, you know, he's in high school now and the, and the one happy memory he has of her is like when he was super young, like it, and she hasn't been happy since that's, that's what I thought of it. The whole thing with him uh, stealing the ice cream truck. Yeah. He could have done something else besides that scene. I felt like that was like shot. Like, I don't know that. I mean, like there's other ways there was a, the younger Tony Soprano had like a raffle and when they called out how many people were absent, the kid stands up and he's like, I won the number. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. You, kid, know what, you know what could yeah. have been cool is if they showed like young him and like Ralphie and Tony Blundetto like doing shit. I hope that that's what's coming. Yeah, that would be cool if they started doing more of these films or just a different series with this cast, too. I think the cast was great. So, Dude, the whole cast, would that would be so great if they did like six, seven episodes, you know, like because this did feel like two episodes to me. The first hour definitely is an episode and the second one, it definitely has two different tones to it. But um, yeah, I just I, I wanted more. And like, you know, the whole thing when Dickie is told by his imaginary, as you say, uh, <laughs> uncle which would be so wild to rewatch that right something yeah mm. tells him you should stay away from tony and then dickie just stops talking to him and that's like the whole thing where like tony like tries to get back to him and like that was probably you know one of the better uh sill scenes too as well as when young sills walking to the door to leave tony in with his head mm. down doing that great walk yeah with his hands like this yeah, and see, Sil likes Tony for the the job. You know, he he recommends Dickie, so I totally could see. Plus, I want to see more young Artie Bucco, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. That, that would have been cool, too. That was a nice little nugget, though, talking about that. But if it was Mika, this is what I would do, man. This would be the series I want. It would feature just Polly and Pussy, and they're the two leads, and it's like just them in the car, episode after episode, doing all the things that they do. And then, like, you remember, like, uh, uh, when Pauly, the, the Scarlino brothers or something, like, there's a thing that happens in the late 70s, I think, where there's a crime that, that all the, the families start having a war. Like, it'd be great to have, like, have, like, a series about that and, like, Pauly and, like, Pussy surviving, like, the mafia wars of the late 70s. Yeah, I mean, they're always talking about the DeMeo crime family, and you know, they, you know, he called um, Joey Diaz's character talks to him on the phone in the beginning, and it's like, well, let's let's see more of that. Let's see, did you did you get that old man DeMeo is uh, David Chase at the funeral? No, I didn't. know. Do you in know it? what he's in it? So there's a scene where David Chase is escorted into a room, and that is old man DeMeo, and Tony says, "I wonder what the end they're talking about," you yeah. know. Yeah, that's that's supposed to be the the guy that eventually goes down in 95. And then, you know, the DeMeo family gets like all shooken up. And then I guess uh, Jackie Soprano becomes uh, 
boss, right? Before he yeah. dies of cancer. Jackie April. Jackie April, that's right, yeah. There's so much to go through, though. You know, there's so, there's so much. And I, I, I read that, you know, it wasn't a good box office hit, but it was a massive hit for HBO Max. So if I was HBO Max, I would totally expand this universe. People want more. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're the only person I talked to or seen really, you know, excited about it. I, don't... I know. Not many people are. It's weird. Um, it's hard to gauge what people are excited about in today's world, you know? Like what did like what did they want and you know because like you can just watch whatever you want now, and everybody's watching a different thing at once and you know like the heyday of when we were young and like did you watch Lost last night that'll never happen again, like we'll never all be on the same conscious level of uh, storytelling again. Too many outlets for entertainment. Yeah, I had my phone recently uh, left it out in the rain, damaged it, didn't have the phone for five days until oh, I got a new one, and at first it sucked, and then. It was pretty nice to just be away from it. So it just, it sucks. We can't do anything about it, you know? Yeah, that was, that was weird. It's, yeah, cause, cause I was, I, I texted you a couple of times and you didn't get back to me. So I was like, that's a little strange. Yeah. And I didn't put a thing out either. Cause usually it's like, you know, um, contact me here. I've lost, you know, but I just don't want anybody contact me. For days. It's nice I- sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's a good feeling. Like sometimes it's just like, nah, I'm just out here. Like it's the 1990s all over again. <laughs> right. It's hard to believe the Sopranos came out in 90. They Nine. filmed that in 97, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It released in 99. That's crazy. That crazy, dude. And then it lasted to what? 2007 or so. It doesn't. Yeah. That sounds about right. I've heard all sorts of crazy new theories that I've never heard online about like Tony's death. And uh, the one that stood out to me was, um, Throughout the whole series, there's this reference to 3 a.m. in the series. Paulie starts waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. Michael or uh, Christopher's character does too as well. And when the guy in the members only jacket enters into that bathroom, he's on Tony's three. Like as far as like Tony is the clock, like he's on Tony's three. You know, people say, oh, my six. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So like it was always referenced to as, you know, dread the end three in the morning because i think paulie was haunted or something like that but there's so many theories do you listen to talking sopranos at all i stopped listening to it after like i don't know five or six episodes maybe i just got back into it a a while ago i took a break from it too as well because they were always yelling at each other (laughs) you know i was fighting each other have you listened to uh seth rogan's podcast yet did i send that to you I haven't, oh, that's interesting. I, I kind of forgot about it. No, check it out. Oh, my God. It's so good because it's not just like this, like me and you talking. Like he goes off into like uh, tangents with like uh, audio production, you know, like story time, special effects in the background. The most recent one is about Crosby's uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, like the best song they ever wrote as it relates towards their relationship with the Beatles. I think you would like that a lot. Hmm. So I didn't get a chance. I didn't even know what you were doing. So I figured I'd ask you here. What were you uh, up to down Nashville? Um, so, you know, I, I've after Italy, I um, I knew that I was going to take this month off from performing cover gigs because I wanted to rest my voice even more. And, you know, I, I'm at a, a point in my life where I'm just like I needed to pause and sort of like recalibrate and reevaluate uh, what my next steps are. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Um, so, uh, Katie was doing a show and 
I was like, well, I'm taking this time off in October anyway. Might as well just check it out. Um, I forget how it came up to Johnny, but um, we were talking on Instagram and I was saying, like, yeah, I'm actually thinking about coming out to Nashville. I'm not sure yet. And he, and he uh, offered up his guest room and I was like, wow, really? And uh, yeah, that's it. And I went down there, um, sang back up on a song for Katie and um, it was cool. It was cool. I, the first... Uh, <laughs> This is Bob Castable, I guess. I uh, the first thing that happened to me, I got off the plane. I went to Johnny's, packed in, and then I said, "Listen, I got to go to the grocery store because I need a toothbrush and all this stuff, whatever." He drops me off at the grocery store, and I'm looking up at the gross at the toothbrushes and this um this blonde old Southern woman with like mismatched floral print top and bottom. She's like, I can see her in the corner of my eye, but I'm like looking at the toothbrushes, and then before I know it, she's like, "Pretty little China boy, cute." And then she walks past me. I'm like, whoa. What? <laughs> Jesus. Talking about generalization. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's so. Yeah. Back to that point. I was like, wait, this did I just like win the lottery of crazy old people here? Because I, I mean, it just can't, it can't be like that down here. Right. The first thing that happens to me after I get off the bus, it just can't be like that. Right. I, I just lucked out with the fucking crazy woman. But at the same time, I'm kind of tired of making excuses for people and their racism. <laughs> it well, sucks, man. Me. You can't walk up to her and say, are you a nice, <laughs> a nice old white woman? Like, yeah, I terrible. I, I, um, I, I shot a little video of her, too, because I ran into her again. Um, I didn't say anything, but I like sort of. I'll, sh- I'll send it to you. So you oh, I'd love to see that. I love uh, exposing. There should be a show about exposing racists. But yeah, the casual racism comments that are come off as being uh, like they they think they're being nice, but yet they're being um, just completely like, you know insensitive. It's terrible, man. Like people need to stop thinking about that for God's sake. You know, it's like yeah, it's the ma- major divide. But I loved when we were in Nashville. I mean. It feels like that town's just all about music, you know? Yeah, I got the impression that it's like a haven for musicians, not necessarily and always to like go for it and make it, but for like just if you're an old guy and you play guitar and come join a band or like, you know, there's work down there for musicians, I feel. I could be wrong, but I, I that's the impression I get, you know? So. It seems like it, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're taking a break because, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice to reset, recharge. I took a year off from screenplay writing and I just start writing again and it's fun like when you're recharged you know because it's so hard to just keep keep driving you know and just like have like the gas truck pull up and fill you up while you're still moving you know it's it's tough mm-hmm. yeah i mean because like if you devote your life to a passion you know then then you kind of like have to it's good breaks are so healthy because then you're like wait a second my passion's burning me out then what do i use to actually alleviate stress anymore you know what i mean so you got to figure that out it's tricky yeah that's true the gym, the gym can alleviate stress. Uh, sopranos can alleviate stress. Getting engaged can alleviate stress. <laughs> Traveling to Nashville, encountering racists yeah. at the front desk. Can... It was like I, the first thing I was like, are you fucking kidding? I'm out here for five minutes. And like, it was weird. It was just, I, I tell you what, though, I was like uh, that moment on. I was like apprehensive. We went to like bars to play music and and watch shows whatever and i was just like waiting for it to happen again you know what i mean i'm sorry you have to encounter that stuff i mean you know it's it just sucks you know i can't imagine you know how i would react in the same situation i'd probably be very very depending on my mood angry you know 
because it's the worst part of like humanity is witnessing something like that you know yeah just like it just threw me off and i was like wait a second maybe this is a i was thinking because i've been thinking maybe maybe i'm doing move down to nashville like maybe this is something i should (laughs) (laughs) wait where do you think like is austin better than nashville like where is the music capital of the world do you think well they say well at least see americans are so short-sighted they think it's nashville because they don't think about making it anywhere else i think right So, man, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, I, I would I still dream to go to England because all the best bands ever have come from England, in my in my view. I do agree with that statement. Yeah, it's, it's it. uh, who were like the top three: the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin. Keep going, and so they're all British. Yeah, and then like the crazy thing is like um, they're British bands that sound like Americans you know, when they're singing, which is nuts. I remember as a kid, like being seven or so and be like, the Beatles are from over there. What? I don't get it. Like, you know, like I like when you can hear their uh, accent, like on some songs towards the end, like uh, where they start really like cutting it up, you know, Mm -hmm. especially John, John really like started to like get more raspier towards uh, the end and the more that Liverpool type uh, sound. He would have been 80 a couple weeks ago. I, I just read. It's crazy. Crazy. I can't wait for that film to come out, the get back. Oh, it's gonna be good. Yeah, man. Disney Plus, right? When's that uh Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Well, Disney now that you mention it, like Disney Plus, I hope they don't like Disney Plusify it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> like PGify it. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the Beatles kind of were PG. I heard John though had like a mean streak. I listened to some podcasts where he could get really nasty, but oh, I mean yeah. he also had a drug problem, you know. And sure. We only saw things of him on camera, you know, once, three times out of the year in the anthology series, right? Yeah, and Don't Let Me Down is about, like, his heroin addiction, like Yoko helping him through his heroin addiction. That's what I've heard, so. Yeah, it's really odd um, that, you know, he was such a prolific man in society, and he still had these demons, you know? Yeah. But, um I had a great time uh, checking in with you today. We're about to go to Urban Air for my son's best friend's sixth birthday party. I've never been there before. Have you ever been there? Son's best friend's... No, what's Urban Air? I don't know. It's like something where kids jump around. I think we can jump around. So I just realized I'm wearing boots, so I got to get my sneakers. Um, Definitely check out Judah's stuff. Uh, He's taking a break right now, but I'll put some links down below for you to check out his music. I had the pleasure of uh, performing on one of my favorite uh, pieces of work uh, with him, Judicum Assassination, the album Dark Circles. <laughs> I was actually uh, playing along with the album the other day. I started playing bass again. Cool. And um, yeah, I really like uh, like forgetting something for a little bit and then like remembering it just because of muscle memory. That's like the best feeling. You know what I mean? I don't know if other people have it out there where it's like, oh yeah, I know where my fingers are supposed to go. Or like, I guess people who work on cars. Yeah something like that, that is, but that's cool yeah and then remember remembering that you remember it and then it's like not a novelty again it's like wow this is fun it's cool it is a good feeling there's no name for that by the way but always a pleasure cut likewise brother my name is bob and this has been another episode of the bobcast <laughs>